we open to distant deserts nearly half a world away from Horizon City. Our opening panels are bright and harsh, depicting endless and expansive sand dunes under an unrelenting clear sky. The intensity of the desert's heat makes everything appear hazy and out of focus, but after panel upon panel of sprawling desert, we can finally make out the smallest detail drawn on the horizon. A humanoid speck. Two. Perhaps a group. Some vehicles. Instead of jumping straight to this point of congregation, our comic brings us along a trail. As we close in, we see signs of a skirmish in the sand, broken rocks, impact points, bloodstains. Finally, the clear marking of a body being dragged, and in following this trail, we are brought to the aforementioned gathering. The crowd we see are travelers and nomads who call this land home, their clothing ragged and worn, their vehicles patchwork and barely running. They are a rough and ragtag bunch. But gathered here, surrounding something or someone, on the ground and out of frame, Sorrow and revulsion paint their expressions. A series of panels close in and circle the crowd. Speech bubbles come both from within and out of frame. How could this happen? Who could do something like this? She can't be. And then we see it. At the center of this group, broken and discarded, is the body of a woman caked in sand and blood. Her shoulders are shattered, chest ripped open, ribs broken and discarded at her side, organs spilling haphazardly from the cavity. This was no animal, says one of the onlookers, but definitely the work of a beast. Our next panel cuts to elsewhere in the desert, some small cave opening in a nondescript valley. Small noises are drawn from within the darkness of the cave, crunch, squish, slurp. And we follow. The noises continue, lips smacking, chewing, coughing, crunching. There, finally, a shade in the darkness. Our panel shows us a man or what had at one time been a man, crouching, burying his face in his hands, eating. There's something peculiar on the ground at his side, but we can't make it out, and we need to get closer. Closer. Crunch, slurp, chew, chomp, squish. On the ground, they are wings, bloody wings large enough to belong to an angel, but oh god, his desiccated face, his sunken eyes, his gore-soaked teeth, in his hands are the remnants of partially consumed lungs, and he turns to us, he looks at us, and he takes a deep breath. Ba ba ba
Hello, Internet! Welcome to a Critically Accursed podcast where the plot's made up and the roles don't matter. I'm your host, Mr. Critically Accursed. Get settled in, because we're going to tell you a story. Today joining me is an actual literal snake. Not a snake person, an actual snake. Seth, say hi. I hate you too. I mean, (laughs) hello! It's so good to be here. We're best friends. Oh man, we get along so well. We totally don't hate each other. Absolutely not. We are the most civil and just, honestly, we hug all the time you and me big hug buddies i want to keep up with the bit but i have a really hard time agreeing to this that's super (laughs) fair (laughs) yeah yeah so seth it's uh it's been a while since we've played a game of teenage superheroes and got dirty with the hormones (laughs) it's been a day it's been a day for the both of us (laughs) leave the dirty jokes to me yeah no, no not actually no, no you do it it's okay yeah it's... i don't think i want either one of us to do it to be honest um but you're role-playing as my female best friend who i maybe might want to be my girlfriend one day so buddy oh, that's right yeah uh natalie's dead sorry she's just <laughs> <No>. killed off screen <laughs> oh yeah so seth you excited to um step into the shoes of uh creepy multi-eyed scott again uh born ready this cool. character is one I enjoy so much. I'm actually talking to some friends about getting some art commissioned at the moment. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, artwork's going to hit the podcast uh, across the board sometime in the near future. Uh, so before we get into some actually uh, really dope RP today, Seth, how have you been since the last time we gamed? We don't game a lot outside of masks, and we don't even do masks that much these days. So how, how have you been in general? Um, wow, life's been weird. You know, I uh, lost the ability to drink energy drinks there for a little while. Oh, no. And by a little while, I mean I mean two months. It was a rough two months. And just this last week, uh, I discovered I can actually have my caffeine again. Sweet. You're back on the candy then, huh? Ooh, yeah. Nice. Nice. What's, uh, what's your current energy drink of choice now that you can uh, partake once more? You know, I'm really um, looking at what's out there now. Uh, The landscape changes a lot in just two months. Well, I I think uh, anyone who's listening to this, if you have energy drink recommendations, the weirder the better, Seth. I will gladly spend $20 to have a novel can of energy drink shipped to me from across the world. But that's it. 20 bucks. That's my limit. (laughs) If you have an idea that falls within that criteria, feel free to tweet at us or send us an email or contact information's in the description of this particular episode go find it you can read probably but don't don't tweet at me i won't um i won't see it yeah just tweet at me i'll tell seth seth hates talking to people on twitter you know i do i just hate twitter whatever i will eagerly wait for energy drink suggestions to pass along to seth while we're waiting why don't we um uh pretend we're teenagers with superpowers in the future Uh, yeah cool that's a hobby right there let's go bud we're gonna pick up today's session almost more or less right where we left off 
And we left off with uh, Seraph visiting his grandfather in the hospital. And there was a nice touching scene, kind of uh, ended that on a little bit of a downer. I believe he was alone in his grandfather's room. His grandfather was unconscious. What we're going to kind of explore a little bit is Remembrance Day is in the middle of October. The end of October is still Halloween, even in the distant future. And Horizon High is throwing a Halloween dance. Probably not important. Nothing important will probably happen at the Halloween dance. Wink, wonk. But the long and short of it is there's two weeks to kind of figure out what's going on with your character, his headspace, things he's doing, things he's focusing on, considering the fallout from Remembrance Day, which was kind of a big event for, I think, the entire party for a lot of different reasons. If you don't mind, what I kind of imagine this comic opening and what I'd like to ask you to do is can you kind of set us back up and reframe the hospital scene a little bit? Picking back up from there setting the stage, getting some panels of the hospital, of um, Seraph at the hospital, how his grandfather's doing. And if you're feeling really saucy, uh, maybe a little bit of narration from Scott's point of view on just where he's at, what he's thinking, that sort of thing. Yeah, so where we had left off, the events of the day transpired. One of the city's greatest heroes is uh, very dead, seeming. And as... Scott hit the ground. He was informed that his grandfather had been rushed to that hospital. And where we had closed, Scott had arrived in the room. His best friend, Natalie, was there. Uh, so was some other kid he didn't know who's close to uh, one of his new teammates. Not a connection Scott is yet aware of. And those two left, one at a time. Uh, Natalie trying to be reassuring, but I got the feeling she didn't really know how. And where we closed out, Scott was sitting at his grandfather's side, and he said uh, something along the lines of, Hey, Grandpa. Um, so I think you'd be proud of me. I uh, I got to be a superhero today. Or well, a, uh, a hero anyway, I guess. I mean, I... You know, I don't know if I was a hero. I mean... Yeah, I talked some kid with some serious damage out of putting my friend's head in his mouth. Um, I, I got to the top floor and there was another kid hacking into the mayor's computer. And I guess that's bad to do. Uh, he was going to give another kid animal-themed superpowers, which he could then take away later, which I guess is also not great. But, you know... Out on the street, you had a heart attack. And then Mr. Miracle, or whatever his name is, was dead, just lying out there. And the stuff I did didn't matter. Not really. No one was actually in danger, danger. Just high schoolers playing games. And you know, I, I kind of blame you for this. Which isn't fair. You're unconscious. Um, you, you're hurt. I shouldn't be mad at you. But why'd you kept, keep telling me, oh, you're going to go places. You're going to do great things. You want me to teach you how to fight. You never told me go fight crime, be a superhero. But Grandpa, you may as well have. And I wasn't there for you. I was doing something stupid. Somewhere I didn't need to be. 
and then jumped off out of a building, which admittedly wasn't that bright, but I thought maybe this time I could fly because I meant to do great things and go places. And I mean, Natalie wants me to fly, so I can't. I've got these wings. It makes sense. But And then I saw my first dead body. And that was honestly not that bad, which is weird. I feel like here's here's a dead guy, you know, some some grievous wounds or whatever, blood all over the place, and it didn't it didn't phase me, Grandpa. He was just lying there, dead, and I, I wasn't scared. I wasn't grossed out. Certainly not traumatized. I was just a little bit sad. And Grandpa. I really wish you could tell me if this is normal or not, how I'm feeling. I, I, I don't know. And you're asleep and you won't wake up. And I'm kind of mad at you about that. And here I am opening up and uh, the person I'm talking to can't hear me, which is par for the course, Grandpa. But um, I feel like I'm sending a lot of bad vibes your way. I'm, I'm just going to... I'm gonna go. They'll call. I think mom and dad are on their way. I should. I should make sure. Um. Sorry for dumping that on you. Get get better, Grandpa. Nice, <laughs> very touching stuff. In a weird way, <laughs> ups and downs. <laughs> but I was along for that roller coaster of emotions. I like to think that in the panel where you said something like no one was in danger or no one really got hurt, there's just this small flashback to Todd suffocating on the ground from his gills. He was fine. He could have been fish lad, but no. Like he's never held his breath before. Yeah, great. Do you imagine that this is all like one straightforward monologue? Is this something he's saying out loud or is it internal? And is it over a prolonged passage of time like does like an hour or two pass does the lighting in the room shift no i see it as one continuous monologue but if we were to do this as a comic book i imagine the interspersed are small flashbacks um potentially even incorrect ones where before there was a scene of malice now it seems a little bit more jokey you know when python was there being like i'm gonna put your friend's head in my mouth (laughs) um it would have been more like that less you know I'm just going to do this thing and it's gross and I'm evil and that's why I'm going to do it. All the same, just thinking back to the day, thinking back to how little any of that mattered outside of that scene with Mr. Miracle's dead body lying in front of his own statue. Uh, the shot of Scott without any of his his coverings um, standing in front of that statue looking very small. Uh, blood spreading out on the the little steps in front of it and the close-up of him looking at this bloodied corpse and you know when he talks about not knowing how to feel probably showing his face without that without a trace of emotion and yeah yeah i don't i don't really see a time lapse happening with it we're used to looking for like a where his head's at or do you think that did the job of it I feel like that did jab a bit. If you want, to, if there's anything you want to elaborate on, uh, I just ask that you kind of paint me panels to kind of explain it. Then, in that case, I would like to, of course, speed through that week. 
but in doing so, probably a quick series of panels, no more than two pages worth, showing, you know, him riding home with his parents and them, you know, expressing that they're glad he's okay. And they brought him a change of clothes, maybe them asking him to get changed before he even leaves the hospital. A lot of silence at the dinner table the next night. The school day, everybody acting like nothing really happened. Sitting next to his uh, two friends, I guess, um, in the in the <laughs> lunchroom, and them chatting with each other about nothing, as if, you know, life isn't different now. Like, this was one of the big three. This was one of the most important people in the city. No matter how you feel about government officials, he kept the place safe. And now he's gone. And I get the feeling that in a high school, that wouldn't really permeate into the gray matter. And so I feel like this should be a scene where, you know, his friends are chatting and Scott's just distant, looking off of the distance, eating his creamed corn or whatever passes for school food these days. Um, much like in Scott's first issue, you have those scenes with him looking out the windows, maybe even come Friday, just seeing a D on a test, probably the lowest letter grade you've seen him get yet, and him just not really caring. And at least one text shot off to to Natalie asking to hang out and, you know, a last scene four hours ago resulting from it. Um. So when you're talking about the school... Will we see anything interesting, or does this even phase Seraph at this point, considering he's kind of in this distant funk? But there, there's a lot of, like, posters of Mr. Miracle around the school, and I don't think they'd take them down. Maybe they don't think about it, or maybe they would be like, oh, it's kind of disrespectful to take him down. Sure, he's gone, but, you know, he's, his legacy is still important, I guess. But there's that, you know, the Got Milk poster with him on it. The, you know, you can do better. It doesn't take a miracle to get into a good school, stuff like that. Like, his face is kind of all over the place <laughs> in posters and stuff. Yeah, and honestly, I come to think of it, I like the idea of a panel where there's Scott taking one of those posters off the wall, and then the next panel would be him putting that poster up in his bedroom. Nice. Definitely noting that down. That's a cool little uh, little Horizon factoid. What poster did he take? Feel free to make it up if you want. Um, God, there's so many bullshit poster ideas out there for superheroes probably just like you know a cheesy um mr miracle sitting at like a too small uh desk in a classroom where you know the the letter head is taking up like almost the full length of the desk and him trying to like take a test with a number two pencil and the wording on it is just um if you study it won't take you a miracle to get an a <laughs> Yep, yep. That's that's a popular sort of phrasing among several of the posters of Mr. Miracle in the school. I'm too curious not to ask, and it doesn't make a lot of, it doesn't matter much, but where in his bedroom does he put this poster? Like on the ceiling above his bed? God, no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, no, just, just like, you know, on the wall next to the closet. Okay. Like, he's not trying to hide it. He's not being super conspicuous with it. It's just, here's a no, new poster for the wall. And I believe that we had previously described his walls as otherwise fairly bare, except for like an obligatory pinup calendar that his grandpa gave him or something like that. Okay, great. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm getting a uh, strong flavor from these scenes. 
it's uh, tickling the taste buds. <laughs> so uh, something I do want to bring up, since we're talking about the passage of, t- passage of time, getting a little bit of downtime, and Scott kind of just dealing with himself, is from the last time we played, my notes indicate that he still has the guilty condition. Is that right? This is correct. So if there's, during this downtime, if there's some sort of scene you want to develop or play out or just notate in a few panels that has something to do with clearing the guilty condition, you can clear it now. You can build up to something that would clear it. Otherwise, you can just carry it forward and see if something naturally happens to help you clear it. I would like to clear it. Uh, And I understand there's two main ways to clear the guilty condition, one being to make some sort of sacrifice to sort of uh, assuage my guilt. The other, getting someone else to use the comfort or support on me. Uh, I guess the real question is, is Scott's grandpa waking up anytime soon? The uh, long short of it is that your grandfather is going to be hospital ridden for about a week. So he'll be in the hospital. He'll be not unconscious the whole time. About He's probably only unconscious for like the rest of that night, maybe the next day, kind of in and out. I mean, it's 2172. They probably have decent medical procedures to keep people healthy and lively and all that. But he probably will be in the hospital for at least the rest of the week. Yeah, and it's safe to say that um, that Scott goes to visit him. But I imagine it's just little things, you know, like, yeah, hey, Grandpa, here's um, here's a steak mom made and cut up. I know you're not allowed to have it in here, but uh, I know you love your red meat um, kind of a thing. But I don't imagine that Scott would really confide in him in the hospital, though there would certainly be a point in there where, of course, it grew his grandpa would ask him, you know, hey, so what happened? What's uh, did you did you get him champ kind of a thing to which Scott would absolutely have replied. Uh, I'll tell you when you're out of the hospital. I think if we get just snapshots of you visiting your grandfather throughout this week at the hospital, what we do see is um, a little bit more awkward interactions than you might expect. Like, you bring him the steak, and he, he gives you this kind of weak smile, but he doesn't even try to eat it or anything. Um, it seems like his appetite has gone, like, way down. And when he talks to you, at least in the hospital in some of these scenes, you know, when he asks you, did you get him? It's not as playful as Scott maybe remembers or as we, the readers, have seen in prior issues. You know, he's not joking about hiding a Playboy under your pillow or if you've asked Natalie out yet or anything like that. You know, it's very kind of to the points. He's putting in a little bit of an effort, but the conversations are short. Oh, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we could easily represent that with little two panels each for his visits, where it's, here's this quick um, speech bubble exchanges, and then next panel, the clock only reads five minutes later, and it's, well, I should get going, or, well, I'm getting tired. Or a nurse comes in and says, well, he needs his meds. Considering this goes on for a week, do you think Natalie ever goes with you to the hospital? Or do you guys just kind of completely start missing each other a little bit? I mean, Scott would certainly like her to accompany him. Then let me say, if she does, how do you imagine that playing out? What's different about like that particular day when she goes with you to visit your grandfather? I can imagine it being a little extra awkward. You know, Scott trying to tease her about that guy she was in the hospital with, like the, so, who's your new boyfriend kind of a thing. 
and it just completely missing the mark. <laughs> cool. So we might only get like even two panels of like one he asked that and then just like them awkwardly looking at each other before maybe like a nurse comes out of your grandfather's room and tells you that you can go in. <laughs> yeah. Just even maybe her going in first and him holding back with a big puffed out cheeks, just that poof, boy. When you're going through all this, when you're stealing posters and having awkward conversations with your best friends, and you're no conversations with your grandfather, it might not really even dawn on Scott this week, but maybe once he looks back at this week or sometime into next week, maybe he'll realize that his uh, best friend, William Wendell, was for a time kind of like really clinging to him. Like he, he definitely thought he was your best friend ever. So, you know, he tried to hang out with you a lot. And that's kind of slipped a little bit like he's just not around you as much as he was and when he is he's still pretty much the same kid uh, maybe a little bit different maybe again maybe you don't notice maybe it doesn't matter but he's just not around as often as you would expect given his past behavior that kind of reminds me i like the idea of like a um a little time stamp for like saturday night him looking at another text that hasn't been returned from natalie and then flicking the uh little imaginary screens in his eyes over to William Wendell and just like sighing be like all right fine and then shooting Will a text being like hey what you up to <laughs> and that also goes unread for a little while <laughs> there it is rock bottom and that's the end of this first section of the comic book that's when we flip the page and we talk about your grandfather getting out of the hospital when you said that's rock bottom is that like a thought bubble when like Scott wakes up the next day and sees that William must have missed his text or something? Oh, yeah. Next day, like he's just <laughs> grabs his phone, looks at it, you know, even like left on red, like last seen eight hours ago, just not responded to just him like looking at it, looking at himself in the mirror and just, yep, that's rock bottom. Here we are. And then when he leaves the room, we just get the one panel of that Mr. Miracle poster that's on his wall. Probably starting to sag in the corner. Yeah, totally. So a, a week passes, and it's kind of a shitty week, but at the tail end of the week, it's like, you know, your parents talk about it at the dinner table, and they're very, um, has, has been kind of established, blasé and casual about nearly everything in a very weird way. So there's casual dinner conversation of, like, your, your mom saying, oh, yeah, you're, you're, we heard from the hospital, your grandfather's doing better. He's going to come stay with us for a while because he can't really walk anymore. And they just kind of just casually say this stuff in between bites of dinner. He can't walk anymore? Your, your dad, like, finishes chewing the steak that he's eating and he says, yeah, he's, uh, he's having some trouble walking. They think with a little bit of therapy, physical therapy, he'll get, he'll get better. But for now, you know, they told him to just take it easy. So they're going to. Give him a nice wheelchair, which I'm sure dad is just super excited about. So so he'll get better. That's what they say. And he takes another bite. Um, okay. And then one panel of you guys all quietly eating. Yep. Scott's family's so fucking weird. <laughs> I love it. Then at the end of the week, your parents will go pick up your grandfather and bring him home. And uh, by then, I imagine that your dad probably brought some of his stuff over, like pack into a guest bedroom or something like that. And true to your parents' words, he has a nice future wheelchair. It's electric. It's very fancy. It can probably even just roll upstairs. God, that's cool. I, I think if we can paint it like your dad went to pick up your grandfather. Uh, maybe this is happening, 
you know, like towards the tail end of the school day. So you'll get home and then he'll get home with your grandfather. Uh, we get panels and maybe even from Scott's perspective, see your dad park the car or the car park itself, <laughs> whatever we're swinging with and uh, getting out and just uh, like setting up the fancy future wheelchair and helping your grandfather out of the car. And your grandfather looks thinner than he usually is. And he's kind of slumped. And, you know, he, he's just looking down at the ground as your father's carrying him out of the car and getting him situated into the wheelchair, like guiding him to the front door. Uh, long story short, father opens the door to the house. Maybe you're in the living room. Maybe you're waiting for your grandfather to show up. He's kind of an important person. Yeah, totally trying to act nonchalant about it, like just watching something on TV, but actually just looking at the door the whole time until it opens. Sure. <laughs> you don't even need to turn your head because of all your eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> How convenient for you. <laughs> your dad opens the door and lets your grandfather roll his way in. And he certainly does. He kind of rolls into the living room a little bit, but he doesn't say anything. Your dad is actually the one to kind of first speak. And he, he just says, Scott, we're, we're home. Uh, grandfather's here. Do you think uh, you want to get him set up with some tea? Yep. I'll be right there, dad. And, and you can hear it's just like your dad talking muffled one-sided conversation to your grandfather. You know, like, oh, I'm going to go do some work in the study for a little bit. You know your way around the house. If you need anything, just ask Scott. And just like that, your dad leaves. Not the house, but he leaves, like, your grandfather. Because I guess your family's a whole bunch of assholes, too. Oof. Yeah, I'll um, drop a tea bag in the hot water and, you know, walk out. Probably go straight to my grandpa's room. Hope he's there already. You begin walking to your grandfather's room, and you find that he actually hasn't moved far from where he ended up wheeling after he went into the house. So he's like in the doorway to the living room. He might even be just like blankly staring at whatever you were watching on TV. I'll go put the tea in his room real quick, just like on the nightside stand. Then I'll you know hurry back out to the living room and be like, uh, "Hey, Grandpa, I um I put some tea in your room. Uh, you want to help? You want me to help you get set up in there?" He takes kind of a deep old man breath. No, I'll uh. I'll manage, Scotty. Thanks. And he slowly backs up <laughs> and starts, like, wheeling off in that direction. It's not a problem. Uh, never got to tell you about my day. You think he nods in acknowledgments, but he doesn't say anything, and maybe you're not sure, as he just keeps rolling. I don't think Scott is one to pursue that. Um, definitely going to, like, get up to walk around a lot. Make sure that he can keep going past his grandpa's room, looking in, making, you know, just like a quick glance, making sure he's um, still alive, but trying not to impose, I guess. Sure, sure. And I, I think maybe when we get panels of Scott walking around the house, we see just a little bit more background stuff of the household. You know, maybe we catch a glimpse of his father in the study, hammering away at some future computer, doing a very important whatever work he does. and. Austin, in the background, we maybe see, assuming it's afternoon, your mom maybe cooking dinner or doing some household chores or some simple stuff, nothing too heavy. <laughs> maybe rolling some laundry downstairs or something, I don't know. But um, the important panels for the important character, your grandfather, is if you go to check on, an, on him, like he's closed the door a little bit, but it, there's still a crack that we can kind of peek through. And I, I think one interesting spying on your grandfather moments is when he's uh like hoisting himself out of his future wheelchair 
which seems to guide him as he's like trying to get himself up and onto the bed. And it's just a slow process. It cuts across like three panels of this old man just slowly moving from a future wheelchair to a future bed. Yeah, and I could see, you know, Scott lingering outside the door that whole time, just making sure he doesn't fall or something. I don't think he falls. I think he gets into the bed, but you can see it. He He's a bit shaky from the whole thing. He he's His breathing's a little bit heavier. Once he's in bed, he like reaches over for that tea that you brought him some time ago, and he picks up the mug and his hands just wobbly, and uh, he, he brings it over, but ends up like spilling it onto himself. It's not a loud or large speech bubble, but it's noticeable that he just says, God damn it. He, he throws the mug across the room, actually, just pitches it and lays there. I think what would happen in response to that is Scott would walk over to the bathrooms, grab a set of towels, and uh, just sort of knock on the door as he opens it, just saying, uh, hey, Grandpa, uh, remembered I forgot to bring you towels for in here. Uh, uh, good timing, Scotty. Oh. I could use one. Yeah, I've I've got that. Here, I'll hand him like a, you know, like a hand towel while I just dab at the floor real quick and pick up the tea. Sure. He, like, um, pats himself down and just kind of sighs. You know, this, this whole thing, it's, uh, Scotty, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. It, um, it, it kind of looks like it sucks, Grandpa. I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this for free, Scotty. Don't, don't get old. And he, like, forces a feeble old man chuckle. Like, he's definitely just, like, trying really hard to, to, to make a funny or to get you or himself laughing. And I'll give a strange smile and say, uh, you know, I don't even know if I can, actually. So, finger guns. His grin slowly fades, but he, he like, nods slightly. Um, Grandpa, I, uh, this is going to sound weird coming from me. It's, it, it's okay to ask for help with things. It, you, you just had a stroke, which I know you know, but, um, that's a really good time to start asking for, for help with things while you recover. Um, cause dad said you were gonna, you know, get, get better with physical therapy and, um, and medicine and stuff like that. I've done things on my own my whole life, Scotty. I need therapy and, you know, helping myself around's probably a good way to start. Yeah, no, I I mean, you can always ask for, like, a little boost, you know? You, you don't ask someone who broke their leg to not get a cast. It's just a, a weird metaphor, but I, I think I, I think you get the idea. He looks at you in one pair of your eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, at, at home, like, Scott is still fully clad in hoodies and bundled. Okay, so then definitely your regular human eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that if you're cool with it, I'd like to ask you to make a roll tonight. A rolling dice? Oh my goodness. I know, it's weird. Let me get those out. Just to... <laughs> Scott's trying real, real hard to make his poor, poor old grandfather feel a bit better. Sure, it's a little bit awkward, but um, essentially your grandfather's a feeling quite defeated, and it seems to me like you are trying to be a support system to offer some comfort to this old man. 
unless I'm completely misreading the room and you'd like to directly engage your grandfather. <laughs> um, comfort sounds good. Yeah, okay. If you can roll me 2d6 and add mundane for a comfort or support roll. What is my... Oh, right. I'm not mundane at all. Okay, so 7 minus 1 is 6. I have good news and bad news, Seth. <laughs> is the good news I get to mark potential? Yes, the good news is you get to mark potential. We. The bad news is you totally fail. So, like, it, your, your grandfather kind of clams up a little bit. Um, he, he has a hard time following up on that part of the conversation. But Scott's failing to comfort his grandfather. He's an awkward kid, and as we've seen, he has trouble, like, relating to people, <laughs> being a regular human. So can you kind of describe me what we see as he kind of blunders his way through failing to uh, comfort his very sad grandfather? Yeah, so there's a lot of Scott fumbling over his words. Probably like some weird movement under his hoodie, a little rustling here and there. He definitely drops the the teacup at some time. Um, actually, I think towards the end of it when he you know says, hey, the whole thing about broken legs and casts. I think you get the metaphor, but and he just drops the teacup, and it it doesn't just hit the floor; it cracks in half. And he's just, oh, um, I I gotta, I, I gotta clean this up. Just don't, um, just don't walk on the floor here. There's gonna be broken shards. Um, I I mean, uh, uh I'll be right back. I I think when Scott comes back, I'm assuming with like a future dustpan or whatever they do to clean up stuff in the future. When he's actually cleaning up the mess, when he comes back and starts cleaning up. What we see that kind of closes out all of this to drive the point home is just his grandfather saying, I'm uh, actually feeling quite tired, Scotty. I think I'm going to just uh, take a nap for a while. And he just like rolls in his bed away from you. Uh, yeah, yeah, Grandpa, um, get get your rest. It is like definitely an awkward moment where he clearly wants to say something else. You know, that, that hand outstretched, mouth open, and then just stops and leaves the room with the dustpan. And that's probably like the last panel of that section is just him leaving the room with the dustpan. Scott still carrying around this guilty condition. Is just is this just like p- piling it on more? Without a doubt. Like, because it's not just he can't help. It's not just nothing he does seems to help. It's just a reminder that he wasn't there when things went bad the first time. And it doesn't matter if he couldn't have done anything. It doesn't matter if, you know, your average person is helpless in the face of a stroke. But you'll always feel guilty that you weren't there and that you you didn't even have the opportunity to fail to help. That makes a lot of sense. And it really, really makes sense how that played out, that you're still walking around feeling guilty. So, cool. With your grandfather's return to home and him still in really sour spirits and your parents being still very casual about the whole thing casually supportive i guess like oh yeah you know you oh you'll get better dad just stick in there champ and eat your steak (laughs) you know it's really stupid shit like that very reminiscent of how they've been treating me the last few exactly just not really acknowledging the problem this next week is the week before halloween the ball is essentially in Scott's court for how he how he wants to spend his time. I know he's in a huge slump. This whole session's been one giant slump. Um, I don't know if you have any ideas on anything that might ch- like change course, anything that he's going to focus on, or is he just going to keep like sliding further down into this 
<laughs> very depressing void he's sliding into. I do have one idea, but it could make everything so much worse if it fails. That sounds like my sort of thing. <laughs> I think um, at some point in there, he'd try and get a hold of Seth slash Python. I think there was an exchange of numbers last session. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that you and Python have each other's information because, you know, he respects you in a very weird way. Um, you guys have gotten along in a very weird way. So I, I can imagine that has happened, even if we didn't explicitly say so. Yeah. And in that case, I think um, probably late Friday, early Saturday, Scott would shoot Python a quick message just saying, hey, we should talk. Can we meet up, grab a slice of pizza or something, see if we can't reach some kind of a middle ground on all this stuff going on? So if we say you're doing this like Friday evening, Saturday morning, reaching out to Python and saying that we have like the whole next week of school open, why don't we call Halloween? I don't think I have to find what day of the week it is. We'll say maybe it falls on a Saturday. It's a really cool year for Halloween. Oh, fuck yeah. So you, you essentially do have a full week ahead of you to explore and do whatever you want. But you, you send this message to Python. And again, we probably get another like series of panels to show that time's elapsed and it goes unread for like four hours before he actually ends up responding to you with a cute little snake emoji because of course and if you're buying the pizza tell me where to meet you deal and i'll shoot him a time and a place um what was the name of that oh of <laughs> course of course the mushroom palace no it's the mushroom kingdom we didn't even try <laughs> oh my lord the mushroom kingdom yeah. uh yep probably like sure dinner time the next day great great so you have that arranged and and just to mention it before we get to that scene, uh, I think you do get some messages from Natalie that are just checking in. You know, she's not like completely ignoring you. <laughs> you know, maybe she just has some other stuff going on, but she does check in. So you get a message saying like, I know your grandfather came in today. Is everything going all right with that? One panel is just this big, long, no, things aren't okay. Something's really wrong with him. I don't know if he'll ever get better from this. I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of angry. I really don't know how to feel, and I, I'd really like us to spend time together. And then the next one is him having deleted that and just saying, things are okay. I, th I think he's getting better. And yeah, she totally just responds. That's that's great to hear. Uh, if, remember, if you need anything from me, just let me know. Smiley face. Finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure, maybe next week we could go out for pizza or something. How does Tuesday night sound? Yeah, and just a uh, uh, definitely a finger guns back at that one. If we see Scott throw, scrolling through some of his text messages, I can't imagine he has a lot since he only has two really close friends. But maybe we catch glimpses of some of the things that William has sent him recently, which are just a lot of doodles. You know, like, again, he's not talking to you constantly like he used to, but he still sends you some of his artwork once in a while. He's checked in, but he's also really awkward about it. So he only checked in like once, I guess. And I imagine that you probably said a similar thing to him. Yeah, probably just more, uh, hey, bud, don't worry about it. Need you to watch those crime scanners. You can count on me, the best sidekick ever. With all of that, I think we can jump ahead to uh, Scott's weird pizza date with Python. He just uh, showing up at the Mushroom Kingdom at like five o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah, showing up at the... Uh the mushroom kingdom probably half an hour early shooting 
Python a quick text being like, what do you want on the pizza? Oh, he says everything. Gotcha. And artists get a pizza with not actually everything, but probably like mushrooms, anchovies, onions, and broccoli. And say, that sounds weird enough. I think this will be fine. Do you know how expensive an everything pizza would be? Yes. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> yeah. It's like 40 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you go in and there's uh, some teenage, he might, might be like 18 with like slick black hair, like a Mushroom Kingdom apron on standing behind the counter. Very hairy guy. And um, <laughs> he, he says, yo, that's almost an everything pizza. Luigi will hook you up. Don't you worry, finger guns. <laughs> and he uh, um, charges you up, but we'll get you sorted out just fine. Did, did he call me finger guns or did he just say the words finger guns instead of doing finger guns? <laughs> he, he OK, he definitely did finger guns, but he also definitely said finger guns out loud. Why do I come here? <laughs> he says because we're the best pizza joints around. Yeah, no, you're right. You're the only ones who really do fresh handmade pizza. You go take your seat and wait for your pizza, and uh, Luigi will bring out your pizza just fine and set it up. And when he sets it down, he's like, he uh, points to the empty seat across from you. He says, uh, you uh, waiting on a date? A uh, friend, yeah. A friend or a wink-wonk friend, you know? Uh, no. Definitely, definitely no wink-wonks here, bud. <laughs> he gives you the eye and the nod and then walks away. Shortly thereafter, as short as... Getting to the next panel of the comic book, Python comes walking in. Again, tall, lanky, slim even, which is, I guess, part of lanky. But uh, he's wearing like a long coat, all darker clothing. He has some new piercings in his face. He uh, looks around and finds you and kind of sways his way over, bobbing like a snake because he totally buys into the bits the entire time. <sighs> And he slides into the booth across from you and says, Hey, how's it going, eyeballs? Uh, you know, it's actually been a really rough week. Thanks for asking. How, um, have you been? He flicks his tongue a few times and, um, like eyeballs the pizza. Uh, you can see a little bit of drool forming in the corner of his mouth. And he says, Oh, you know, keeping it real. Doing my uh, thing, living the good life, tormenting some people, that sort of thing. So... He scoops up, like, three slices of pizza and starts rolling them together. Yeah, I'm gonna take two slices, put them on a plate, and then kind of push the rest of the platter towards him. Yeah, he turns them into pizza rolls and just unhinges his jaw and starts downing them. I've, uh, been hitting the streets, finding some new prey to focus on. That Wendell kid's kind of uh, lost his edge. So, you know, that's a question I had for you. You just kind of, um, you just kind of mess with people. Like, that that's just your thing. Yeah. He uh, shrugs with his face full of pizza. Like, okay. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm just sort of confused by it. Like, you're not, you're not mugging people or anything. You're not taking their stuff you're just i guess getting really weird at people um why is it like a a sex thing because like i mean i'm not here to to judge but that's really that's extra weird his eyebrow raises well i mean look man like you're just <laughs> you're just messing with people for the sake of messing with them like you got to get something out of it he kind of shrugs and licks off his fingers and says um what can i say it's just fun I just 
enjoy it. You know, this recently I taped this one kid to a jungle gym. That was pretty funny. And he chuckles a little bit. Right, but like, do you have like, I mean, okay, that that's kind of fucked up. I Kind of funny, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, do you have like a shitty home life? Or, I mean, I'm not... I'm not being a shrink here. It's just I I don't get you, man. And and I want to cuz we're you you've said it. We're a couple of freaks, you know, but you you revel in it and I guess enjoy it and rubbing it in people's faces and I don't understand that. I, I don't know if I can understand that, but I really want to. He having by this point polished off the pizza he kind of leans back and stretches his long, gangly arms across the entire um, bench he's sitting on, booth. And uh, he just kind of sways in place a little bit, watching you. And uh, Seth, it sounds to me kind of like you're trying to pierce this dude's mask and get some intel on him. I uh, I suppose I am. Of course, outside of the standard questions, you're, you're asking him some personal ones, trying to figure out some things about him. So we can kind of sort through that. But for the time being, let's have you make another roll and see if we can't get you more potential tonight. <laughs> It's it's 2d6 plus mundane. All right, here we go. Oh, that's actually a good roll. That's a nine. Uh, I have influence over him, so it's a 10. Yes, you are correct. So with a 10, uh, you get to ask three questions from the list. You can get creative if there's any other specific questions you want. Right. I mean, I, I guess I meant the thing with the whole, you know, shitty home life. Like, why does he revel in this? What what I, he says it's fun, but I don't understand that. Like, how is it fun to just flex your weird on someone? Where does that come from? Yeah, yeah. And um, we'll go with that, and then we'll answer the other two questions as they come. But he, uh, you, you say that, and he leans forward again as he like thinks about the question for a little bit and he looks you straight in your regular people eyes and he kind of bounces back and forth a little hypnotically and he says uh you know i guess that i just sort of had of a talent for it that i really like i can do weird things and it seems like the only way people appreciates what i can do is when I'm really getting in there and tormenting them or sticking their whole head in my mouth or duct taping them to jungle gyms or pantsing them in the hallways. I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny, but I have, I have a real talent for it. So it's not just that you are looking for attention, you know, attention anywhere, blah, 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 negative attention, blah, 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 positive attention, blah, 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 shrink bullshit. But it's that you're, you're, good at it and so i i I guess like is that the only thing you feel like you're good for and not not good at but good for with kind of a uh wide creepy smile he says i don't know eyeballs do you have any other promising things for someone of my twisted ways and weird capabilities where else do you think i fit in well it's not about you know everything revolving around your new weird snake powers because you could get those taken away just by having some guy touch you it's about like who else are you what what hobbies do you have do you do do art do you like writing are you any good at math uh you know before you had weird stretchy powers you 
must have had a dream job or a an answer, even as a little kid, to who am I going to be when I grow up? You know, I used to hoverboard quite a bit back when I was younger. Oh, you any good at Laserdisc? Fuck yeah, I'm good at Laserdisc. Dude, I fucking love Laserdisc, but like I've got, you know, half a person to play with. We should play some fucking Laserdisc, man. Dude, I will dig up my old hoverboard tonight and we can hit the courts. Yeah, tonight? You mean that? Well, it's, um, it, it's, uh, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? All right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually seems like genuinely like into this. Like, you know, he just, he very casually brought up the whole hoverboard thing. And the more you guys talk about it, the more like, yeah, no, this is something we could do. Like, I haven't done this in a long time. Let's fucking go. So he, uh, he's like, yeah, all right. I just, I just need to, you know, get my, get my stuff and, you know, take some souvenirs from here too. And he like grabs the salt shaker and stuffs that into his mouth <laughs> and several wads of napkins. <laughs> like if there's a, a knife or something on here, he doesn't stick that down his throat because that's dangerous, but he definitely palms it. Like he kind of wipes the table clean and then immediately stands up to start leaving, like with you. Might I suggest uh, tucking it into a fold of skin somewhere? <laughs> He knows what he's doing, probably. <laughs> uh, and I did have um, one more quick question for him. Like, as he's packing up and, like, I'm standing up and I'm, you know, paying the bill. I'll be like, hey, just just real quick, before I go to meet you there, um, the, the, the honestly, <laughs> really funny uh, thefts aside, you're not planning on, like, getting into, like, major crime, are you? Like, you're not here for a life of supervillainy. That's not you. I don't know, eyeballs. When does tormenting people younger than me become a crime? Uh, 19? He just says, guess not until I'm 19, then. All right, so I got time. I'll see you at the court. Bring your A-game. I always bring my A-game. Thanks to the grub. Saved you something. He, like, reaches into his mouth and throws a pepperoni down on the table in front of you. That gets to live there now. (laughs) (laughs) Last panel of the scene. Done. <laughs> yeah, so you, so you pay and you're going to go meet with uh, Python for some laser disc? Yeah, got to run home first, grab my old hoverboard, because I feel like hoverboards are uh, essential to laser disking. I'm just hoping he has the uh, the projector for the laser disc itself. Though I'm sure there's one extra one on the uh, on the court. Uh, you do a lot of talking about Laserdisc. Would you Would you like to describe to me your and his Laserdisc game, Laserdisc sesh? There's got to be one panel where there's like you know the two of them staring at each other across this like crazy set of half pipes and grind bars, both on hoverboards. Behind each of them is a goal the size of like a lacrosse goal. As they're squaring off, as they're getting ready, they're counting, and Scott says, actually, wait. And he takes off his hoodie and the gloves and all that and says, okay, now we can go. And they just count down from three, two, one, and, like, the whole area is covered in this gridline field, a laser disc, like a disc made of laser, (laughs) just starts spinning in the middle, and they, they just narrow eyes at each other, and then the next panel is them leaving the court and just being like, hey, that was that was a good match. There we go. Yeah, you're not bad. <laughs> Perfect. You're both, like, super sweaty and stuff. Maybe bruised, even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you already have influence over Python. The weird question I want to ask you kind of at this point is... Yes, I will give Python influence over me okay, as well. cool. Saw where you were going with that one. Nice. <laughs> Making real good connections. <laughs>
going ahead to Tuesday, we go through the school day as per usual. And as you're going to lunch, you know, you're going to meet up with Natalie and William because you guys do still spend lunch together. Fucking William's not going to find another seat in the cafeteria. That's for damn sure. I want to set the beginnings of this scene with maybe you meeting Natalie at her locker. If that's cool. That sounds like that's legit. Absolutely. Got to swing by so we can walk to lunch together. Hell yeah. So she's at her fancy um, future locker and you come swaggering over. (laughs) And uh, I I don't imagine you two have talked face to face in like four or five since Friday at the very least. Do you just like creepily walk over? Do you introduce yourself? Do you think she sees you first? I'm just a giant bundle of clothing. So (laughs) uh, I can't imagine she misses me coming unless she's super preoccupied by something. I'll do that cool kid thing where I cross my arms and sort of lean against the locker next to her and just be like, sup? <laughs> she closes the locker slightly and looks at you. And with a with a laugh, she says, did, did you just sup me? Nope. She gives you the eye. Yeah, no, tried a new thing. Didn't work out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. You're just not that cool. <laughs> and she laughs. Uh, that's fair. One day, I'll get that cool. Well, you should think about investing in sunglasses. Oh my god, I would need so many pairs of sunglasses. We should do a fundraiser for you getting sunglasses. What about monocles? Hundreds of monocles. I was about to say, you'd need more monocles than sunglasses. I'd be so fancy. Are they more expensive? I don't know. I don't feel like they should be, right? Because there's only like one? I, I guess, but also I don't think there's much of a market for monocles these days. Oh, no, no, no. You just buy, like, a giant, like, 100-pack box of the uh, single-use unlubricated monocles. <laughs> you la- oh, you're laughing, Chris, but it's a real product right <laughs> no, now. No, I don't believe this. <laughs> That's impossible. That can't be true. <laughs> it's made by the guy who writes the SMBC comic. Great. I learned something today. It's a good day. <laughs> she- Natalie laughs and says, that- That's impossible. That can't be true. Uh, no, you're right. I made that up. So she finishes packing away, I don't know, gym stuff, I guess. I'm not really sure what you'd need a locker for in 2172, but apparently you do. So (laughs) she goes to close the locker and she smiles at you as you guys are getting ready to uh, meander off. She closes the locker. She turns to you. She gives you the nod. You guys begin moving. And just as she like turns around from the crowd in the hallway on the other side of her against the lockers leans a familiar face. It's the, the kid from the hospital, the unfamiliar kid from the hospital that you saw her with. Yeah, you know, kind of a, a bigger sort of kid. Um, I think he has shorter hair. I don't remember what color off the top of my head. But it's, uh, for those of you reading at home, this is Recharge's good friend, Greg. <laughs> but he uh, just kind of sets up shop on the other side of her locker from you and announces his presence rather awkwardly by saying, Hey. As she, like, yeah, it's rough. (laughs) And she, just as she turns to face him, and I think just as she turns to face him, he sees over her shoulder. I guess he must have missed you somehow, or he wasn't paying attention. But it's at that point he notices you're there. (laughs) And uh, he, he, like, looks at you, and then looks at her, and then looks back at you. Hey. Hey, uh, <coughs> hey, oh, hey, you guys, hey, ah, uh, oh, you guys, hey, uh, Natalie and S- 
Scott. Yeah, Scott. Hey. Yeah. Actually, you know, um, you I were the one who uh, uh, helped my grandpa out, and I never got a chance to say thank you uh, for that. Oh, I was just there, you know, doing what any, you know, good person would do, walking by, seeing... You know, how how is he? That's what I should be asking. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh it's good that you Oh yeah, no, he um he uh he's he's uh recovering. Recovering. It was um it was it was a big stroke. But uh it's it's gonna take time. But uh, you know, the doctors are um optimistic. My my family's super optimistic about it. Oh well, that's good. Um, good vibes, you know, right? That's what they say. Yeah, yeah, no. But I just you know, I Thank you, though. Seriously, that was yeah, um, yeah. Well, here's more good vibes, and he just kind of makes this weird, like he's throwing something at you gesture. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's an awkward off, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> Dude, All right. So and Natalie's okay, in the middle of go. you two fucks, and she's just looking back and forth as you guys are talking through her. Essentially, Chris, I will mimic catching those good vibes. <laughs> And it's probably at that point that he, like, looks down at what he's doing and then looks up at you and it just, like, slowly stops <laughs> and mutters something to himself and uh, clears his throat. Just like, <clears throat> ah, mm, yes. Well, that's good. Uh, hey, eh, <clears throat> hey, Natalie, I hope this this is weird. Anyways, I... And he just, like, he keeps trying to talk to her, but he keeps glancing over at you. Yeah, I got this one. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll look at him and be like, uh, Natalie, um, he wants to know if you'll go to the Halloween dance with him, um, which I think would be a great idea. He uh, just like, <clears throat> uh, no, yeah, yeah. And he just, like, looks down. <laughs> and she is she has been like holding in laughter from the both of you this entire time and she says you two are some of the most awkward people i have ever met and i know william wendell so that's saying a lot Ooh, ooh, god that is that that cuts deep (laughs) nat that cuts deep (laughs) she just looks at you scott and says clean it up and she snaps her fingers before turning her attention back to Greg, who's uh, also trying to recover from that savagery. She says, is that what you were trying to ask me? He says, in a roundabout way, I was actually going to see, like, yeah, yes, that is what I was going to ask. But I was also going to see, like, hey, do you want to, like, go grab costumes after school today because that sounds like a thing that people like us like people who hang out should do you know uh and his face is just beat red (laughs) like he's having a hard go at this oh i've got to lean into this one yeah and i i'm not even gonna give natalie a chance to respond i'll be the (gasps) nat do you have a date she face palms he turns away <laughs> he does that thing where he like turns away and probably says something to himself and then immediately turns back to the conversation she looks at you scott and then she kind of rolls her eyes and looks back to greg and says i have plans after school tonight um and she kind of just <laughs> points at you and uh says pizza very very important pizza plans and 
Greg looks at you, Scott, and then he looks back at her and he says, yeah, yeah, totally. No, we can like just buy our costumes on our own. Like if you're there and I'm there, you know, we'll see each other and I'll see you, Scott, and you'll see me. That's not I, you know, never mind. Uh, Listen, I'll just like and he just starts slowly backing away very slowly, like doing finger guns like I'm doing in real life because I guess I can't stop tonight. <laughs> and he's just like, I'll see you around at the Halloween dance that I asked you to go with to me. Whew. As he retreats, I'm just going to be calling out, you guys should get couple costumes. I'll just go as like a third wheel or something. <laughs> he uh, laughs awkwardly and leaves hurriedly. <laughs> she shakes her head and looks at you, Scott, and says, very awkward, but some nice plays. Sure. He tried to out-awkward me. I really had to protect the territory. I, I thought you'd understand. Sorry if I was too awkward. I um, <clears throat> I can't stop myself sometimes. No, it's okay. It was only 50% your fault. 50% him. Hey, you were the Helen of Troy of that awkwardness. The, the face that launched a thousand puns. She thinks about it for a second and then says, I think I could get used to that. Uh, do you think if I bat my eyelashes, you two will fight over me? Huh. Uh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> she she laughs and like gestures like, oh, you're so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> because I'm totally nonviolent. Of course, I don't hurt people. <laughs> Is that what? <laughs> Flashback to the crack of that man's rib. <laughs> Poor splice. <laughs> you guys will uh, go to have lunch and um, William will. Yeah, let's do a William's not there, which is probably <gasps> not a bad sign at all. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, we'd show up at the table and be like, hey, where's Will? Normally he's on his, like, second plate by now. Natalie says, oh, I forgot to mention, and maybe he didn't tell you, but he uh, texted me this morning saying he wasn't feeling good. Oh, oh, I just didn't get the text. It's cool. Oh, maybe he just fell asleep or something. I'm yeah, sure no, no, sorry. I, that wasn't meant to be, um, like, weirdly self-pitying. I mean, it's actually cool. It's I don't need to be... Um, apprised his uh you know well it's not cool that he's feeling sick that's you know that's no not no cool that's not at cool all, at all scott of course that's no no that's bad that's bad even that's um, <laughs> she, she smiles swing by with like a care package <laughs> uh twinkies or something i don't know um lime jello we could bring him pizza Oof. maybe ginger ale pizza and ginger ale oh yeah yeah no that's fair because the ginger ale will counteract the pizza yeah no okay all right, since um since I'm not going costume shopping with awkward Greg tonight, new plan is post pizza we bring pizza to a sick William Wendell and maybe catch him not actually sick. Oh. Maybe he's just playing hooky. Oh, or maybe he looked up Splice again and he's going to go get his own superpowers. What sort of animal do you think Splice would make William Wendell? Walrus. Do you think so? No question. You know, it's weird. I always kind of weirdly pictured him becoming a bear. Not uh, like a panda does he bear. Swing that? Oh, oh, okay. I, I ain't judging. I just you know never got that vibe. Well, he's kind of big and cuddly, and a little dumb. There's a pun to be made about um, his future sex life here that I'm just gonna leave <laughs> well alone. You need say no more, Scott. I'm picking up what you're putting down, and it is humorous. <laughs> she takes a swig of her milk. Good, quite. Cheers. <laughs> She'll hold up her milk carton. I will clink that glass with my own milk carton saying pip pip and tally ho. Great. Great. And she forms like a little monocle with her free hand over her one eye. Reach into my pocket, pull out a single use unlubricated monocle. 
<laughs> so, so they are true. Yeah, they are. They're from like a hundred years ago, but they're great. I hear they never go bad. And I, I feel like the tail end of this conversation is just that each panel pulls further and further away and the speech bubbles get a little bit smaller as you guys just fall into this ridiculous conversation. Yeah, we have that nice lunch scene. And I, I think for both Scott and the readers, it's a lot of uh, return to form for you know his companionship with Natalie even overcoming the odd oddness of someone approaching natalie to ask her out since we kind of did that back and forth natalie already how do you picture the the pizza thing going later that day it would probably just be a few panels but it would begin with scott saying something to the effect of uh you know when when you get a chance um you might want to try talking to that seth kid not alone god never alone um I think he's kind of an okay dude. I just, I think he's just got some issues he has to work through, you know? Are you at the Mushroom Kingdom again? Absolutely. Perfect, perfect. Luigi serves you up with another pizza. <laughs> and and he, he gives you a knowing wink now seeing you sitting across from a girl. And he wanders off. And um, you can see, I think when you ask that, we see on the other side of the table, Natalie, who is definitely like paying attention to you, but she's also like paying attention to... I don't think she uses the VR context, so she probably has like a small tablet or a phone or something um, that she's also kind of toying with during this conversation. But uh, she says, Python, the the gangly snake guy who can unhinge his jaw. Yeah, he's really stretchy in general, but his his name's Seth. And um, turns out he's really good at Laserdisc. Really? Not not better than me, but like, he's, he's pretty good. Huh. Really? Yeah, yeah, and um man, he he's messed up, but like I don't I don't think he's a bad dude. I just um I feel like he can't get out of his own way when it comes to figuring out what it is he wants to do with like his life. She um as you're saying that she kind of like laughs a little bit at something she's looking at on her phone while she's engaged in this conversation, and she flips the phone around to show you what she's looking at, and it's a picture, it's a selfie of that kid Greg that she was talking to earlier, like in a costume store, but he's wearing this like poofy pink teddy bear costume. <laughs> now him, on the other hand, I don't trust him. How could you not trust him? Look, he's in a poofy pink teddy bear costume. Mm, a wolf in sheep's clothing if ever there was one <laughs> she uh keeps like looking at her phone but then she'll follow up by saying well you know if he's good at uh, laser disc maybe you could think about like forming a team or something actually yeah i was considering it um i guess i kind of wanted your feedback on it like i mean you and i haven't really talked talked about anything serious in a while um but yeah i uh like if you don't think it'd be a bad idea she laughs again, and this time shows you a picture of Greg in a future slutty Tinkerbell outfit. Hmm. Yep, definitely a wolf in sheep's clothing there. It doesn't even fit right. I think he needs a size larger. Yeah, wow. Uh, it sure does um, uh, uh, demand attention. I'm going to give that one a thumbs up and see if he shows up with uh, it. Anyway, we should probably... But yeah, what you were saying? Uh, nah, we should probably get some of this pizza over to Will. Uh, you know, he can't go more than three days without pizza. It's bad for his health. Yeah, if anything, if he's really sick, maybe it'll make him feel better before he throws it all up. That's that's terrible. <laughs> she <laughs> she, uh, she um, smiles and flags down Luigi for some to-go boxes and says, uh, if it's a stomach thing, maybe throwing up's the best way to get it out of the system. You know, I've heard that, 
and um, it may be worth the science. Well, a science we shall do. And she puts her phone away to pack up pizza. Well then, doctor? With a smile, she'll stand up and help you up, or vice versa. And she will just nod to say, doctor? And we will take the pizza and go. The two of you leave the Mushroom Kingdom behind and venture off to the house of one William Wendell, taking free, awesome public transport as you do, because why wouldn't you, I guess? Arriving there, you find William Wendell's standard, simple abodes in the middle of a nice suburban neighborhood. The lights are on in the house, pretty much all downstairs, and maybe one or two lights from what you can see from the street upstairs. And you guys have probably been to his house before. You know his bed. His bedroom is uh, rear-facing. Um, I'm probably not going to sneak into his window. I would probably knock on the door. It seems polite. Sure. As you, as you begin walking towards the house, uh, Natalie, like, grabs the sleeve of your uh, hoodie, and she says, we should totally just sneak up to his bedroom. Uh, one of us was going to say it, weren't we? Do you want to try flying up? Can you do that yet? No, you know I can't generate sufficient lift, Natalie. What if I give you a boost? Uh, no. No, we're not. I can't fly, okay? Well, Natalie, we'll talk about this later. Okay, okay, fine, fine. Can we at least, like, throw stuff at his window to get his attention? You know, we could just knock on the door. It's not that late. Sure, but, I mean, if you want to be lame. You're right. <laughs> no, we're only teenagers once. <laughs> Are you going to go throw stuff at his window? Yeah. Nice. Great. <laughs> hmm. Gotta, just got to rein in the super strength a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah try not to go too hard. You, you can head around back and you'll see his window to his bedroom. There's not a strong light coming from it. It seems like a curtain's been drawn over it. But you do see like a weird golden light like emanating from his bedroom. Like it's not like regular light bulbs. There's a golden sheen to it. That's kind of muted by the curtain. But it's definitely strange, and it stands out. Think he's watching a movie? Natalie shrugs and pitches a small pebble at his window. God, please don't be watching porn. I'll also pitch a pebble. If he's watching porn, I'm glad that we're throwing rocks and not climbing up. But we weren't going to do... Oh, my God. Better yet, I'm glad we weren't flying up. That'd be embarrassing. She throws another pebble. (laughs) I'll get there. And um, I think after, like, the third or fourth pebble, the, the golden lights dissipates from the window and the room is dark. There's no light in it. And you can kind of see uh, the curtains get pulled back and the window open. And um, you, you see William Wendell kind of like appear out. And it takes him just a second to notice you guys standing back there. He whisper yells at you, I guess. He says, um, what, what are you guys doing? We brought you pizza and ginger ale. Why didn't you go through the front door? <laughs> because this is cool or something. I don't know. What was that light? This is so much cooler. We're teenagers. This is what we do, William. He's like, you could have scratched the glass. <laughs> or cracked it. William, do you want the pizza or not? I want the pizza. Go- hold on. <laughs> he closes the window and pulls back the curtain. And for a brief second, you see the golden glowing light again. But then it goes away. While this happens, um, Scott's absolutely turning to Nat and saying, um, okay, what are the odds he's part lightning bug? Do you think Splice already got to him? 
and made him part firefly? Like, maybe. Hmm. Maybe that light's coming from his butt. I was on board until you said that, Scott. Well, that's where fireflies glow. Like, come on. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. Why don't you get to the bottom of that and let me know how it works out for you? Ooh, good pun. Good. That's a, that's a high five. Good job. <laughs> yeah, she'll high five you. <laughs> and um, I, I think as you two high five, she just kind of looks at it for you a moment. And, you know, she's genuinely laughing. And she says, why does it feel like so long since we've done something like this? I'm having a great night. And it's at that point William comes to the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> As he does, like, oh, there he is. Yo, answer to the question. Come on over here. Uh, <laughs> William comes um, <laughs> comes waddle, waddle running over. And he's wearing basically pajama clothing. His pajamas have a superhero on it. Uh, is it Mr. Miracle? God, it's Mr. Miracle, isn't it? He has Mr. Miracle pajamas. <sighs> Too soon, bud. Too soon. It's like they're the only clean ones I have. Here's your pizza. What's up with that light in your room? What light? Yeah, it's all shimmery. I um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Thanks to the pizza, though. Oh, no. William, what'd you do? I didn't, I didn't do anything. I don't know no. what you're talking about. This is no, great. You're being evasive. Will, Will, you're being evasive. He opens the pizza box and like, he like just starts like fingering the pizza. <laughs> Weird. Okay. <laughs> Phrasing? No. no. Um, <laughs> William, Wait. what are you doing to that pizza? Oh, my God. <laughs> William, no. William, stop. I'm never bringing you pizza again. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, tearing off chunks and eating it instead of eating it like a regular person, I guess. Oh, one of those. If he had a fork and knife, he'd be using it right now. Mayhaps. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, I'll just, um, William. William, what? Seraph. Don't eat the pizza too fast, you're sick. Um, no, um, don't, hey, um, uh, uh, what's my name? My mouth is really what's full. The, what's my name? Seraph. Oh, what's my name, William? I don't know why you want to be called Scott. Seraph is so much cooler. Because, because that's, that's my name. <laughs> you owe me a Coke? Yeah, fine. Ne- next time we get pizza. Yeah. And uh, she she looks at William and she says, "Okay, we're getting we're cutting straight to the source of this. William Scott needs to look at your butt." <laughs> and William just gives you the weirdest look, Scott. Yeah, you heard her. And then he looks back at Natalie and like she's slate face. She's super into the bit. He takes another bite of pizza and slowly chews and says, "Why?" Because I think you might have gone to Splice and turned yourself into part Firefly. What? Well, you won't tell us what the golden light is and you're being There is no evasive. golden light. Do I don't know what you're there talking was a about. Golden light. It was a... Nat, did you see golden it, light? I saw golden light. Right from up there. Yeah, it was weird. William, you're being so evasive. We think you're watching porn. Are you, are you watching superhero porn? What? I'm not watching porn. I'm, no, no, no. Listen, you know, I, I'm sick. Thank you for the pizza. I need to mosey on home. I would like to um, clap a hand on his shoulder and suddenly get very serious and say, William, I have super strength and you will stay here as long as I want you to. The backyard goes <laughs> silence, I think. <laughs> like all, even all the bugs shut the fuck up. He just like stares at you blankly for a moment and he uh, slowly nods. And says, very slowly, I 
podcast, I'm not moseying. William, you're being very evasive about the glowy light in your room. Okay. Okay. Fine. 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 I was going to show you guys eventually. I'm, give me one second. Okay. He'll, like, go to take a small step back to make sure it's okay. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm letting him go. All right. He um takes another short step, and then he'll head back inside. If you guys hang out, you'll see, like, the actual light of his bedroom go back on, and it'll turn back off shortly thereafter as he, uh, I guess, grabs something and starts making his way back. But before his return, Natalie just, like, crosses her arms and looks at you, Scott, and says, this is weird. William's weird. Okay, maybe he's not part glowbug, but if, uh, if he comes out of there with a the fucking alien artifact or some lost magical relic, I'm going to be so unsurprised. I, I think it's the panel right after you say that, that we see a not coming from either side of the house, but coming from over the house, a small glint in the sky that descends upon you and Natalie until the panel with the reveal is a rather dashing young boy that very vaguely looks like a physically fit William Wendell dressed in white garb, faintly glowing with a golden aura, just hovers in the air in front of you. And he says, Seraph, I would like you to meet your new sidekick, Little Miracle. And he, like, heroically poses. William, William, what did you do? Seraph, I did nothing but find something on the ground that seems to have given me amazing powers. Oh. Natalie just mutters, like, next to you, this is bullshit. (laughs) Oh. William. He lands on the ground. He smells like sunflowers. I, um, I'd actually like to extend my senses for this. Using that angel sight, I saw that streak of power leaving Mr. Miracle's body. Is this the same general look, uh, glimmer, energy signature, quote-unquote, that I saw previously with my divine senses? Yeah, you start uh, tapping into that and... Calling back, and why don't let, let's have you do one more roll tonight? See how it plays out, and if it works out well, maybe I can lay on some information. Standard unleash your powers check. This should be good for you. All right. Well, my freak dropped a little bit, but let's see here. Uh, seven on the dot. You've tapped into your weird angel senses before, and that's where you caught like that glint that flew off into the sky on Remembrance Day, and I, I think you feel something resonance with that and it sounds like you kind of like trying to focus in and tap into that same sense that same sight once again and now that little miracle is standing right in front of you it's um a little overwhelming i think so with a seven you can do the thing i can give you information verify this claim whatever but you can either mark a condition otherwise it's temporary or unstable so the information might be a little faulty or incomplete or something. Your choice. Incomplete information is just fine. Focusing on him, you do find similarities between um, just the sheen of like golden light that you saw from that glint that launched away and kind of his aura right now. 
but specifically what that is is completely lost to you and looking into it for too long seems to start burning like all of your eyes yeah there's going to be some some blinking going there i'll look away and say william uh please call me little miracle um yeah i did you i'll look at nat and just i think he found mr miracle's powers we get the same cutaway panel of her just muttering this is bullshit (laughs) (laughs) uh william at this rate i think i'm gonna end up your sidekick oh seraph don't be so hard on yourself we all know that you are the true hero here i'm just here to help you shine and he gives you this wide smile (laughs) um (laughs) right but william you like you that's a lot of power dude to be honest as far as i can tell it just changes how i sound how i look and gives me the ability to fly and also i glow a little bit maybe i can do other things but i haven't had it for too long but um is there like a table back here like just like a simple patio set yeah sure mm-hmm. but uh William, come, come over here have a seat with me sure he uh walks with almost perfect posture over to the table and then we get another cutaway it's the same panel of natalie saying this is bullshit she doesn't follow <laughs> i um I, I take a seat and i put my elbow on the table and say all right let's arm wrestle this one out let's see how strong you are really have you even checked for super strength no i i was still getting used to the whole flying thing come on elbow on the table he sits down seth if you can paint to me either the panel or the series of panels that conclude this comic book um that'd be great I like the idea that the um, that the final panels are uh, Seraph actually like, taking his glove off, rolling up his sleeve, saying three, as William's arm finally meets his and they like clasp hands. Two, it kind of zooms in those two hands, and you see like their muscles and like the tendons in them begin to bunch, and then one, and then that's the last panel. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I wanted you to say. <laughs> awesome. Yes, I am fully on board. That's good shit. And that's all she wrote for today. Great. I'm glad we covered um, yeah. no magical dances or uh, other really heavy stuff. I'm glad it was super light and breezy and happy the entire time and just full of hijinks. Yeah. Yeah. Real upper this episode. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go take a run to burn off all of this happy energy. Yeah, I might have to eat um, a whole lot of ice cream or something. <laughs> oh, Seth. <laughs> no, it's cool. I don't have feelings. <laughs> oh, okay. Then, then never mind. I apologize for nothing. No, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Would you prefer narration or a bit of a monologue? Uh, the uh, It's in your court. Whatever... Uh... Gets you uh, going tonight, Seth. (laughs) Mm. I mean, uh, mm, no dirty jokes here, my friend. Oh, no. Seth, hands. Hands. You can't see my hands. Uh, I'm (laughs) sick. I gotta go. Podcast is canceled. Hello, Internet. This is Mr. Critically Occurs popping in at the end of the issue to say thank you for listening to Volume 2, Issue 3 of Horizon, a podcast of heroes and hormones. 
If you have enjoyed this content, I would implore you to visit the description area of this issue for a whole bunch of social media contact information for us. Twitter, our lame YouTube accounts, our Twitch, our Discord, wink wonk. We are always happy to hear from fans, and I hope personally to hear from you. You know who I'm talking to. I want to hear from you, bud. (laughs) So click on some of those links, check us out, and stay tuned. We have more issues coming your way. Until next time, adios.